Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, this morning we have a special guest uh, with us. Brother Tommy Moore is our district superintendent. We are an Assemblies of God church, and in the Assemblies of God, we have three million people that meet across the nation on Sunday morning. We have over 13,000 churches. We have 36, 37,000 preachers in the Assemblies of God, and it's kind of structured that every state kind of has some leadership uh, person that's in charge. Florida is so big, they've divided Florida Uh, in half, and we are part of the West Florida District. We have about 170, 74 Assemblies of God churches that are kind of from Jacksonville, North kind of panhandle, and Brother Tommy Moore is our district superintendent, so he's in charge of all of the uh, the ministries, the churches, the pastors. He's my pastor, and uh, you know he pastored in Bonifay, Florida, for uh, almost 24 years, and then God moved him to uh, to this office as district superintendent. He's been serving there for the past eight years as superintendent. And one of the very first times I was around, and Brother Moore talked about missions. I mean, he just got this great missions heart. And his church at Carmel and Bonifay was the top missions church, you know, in the district, and still. Is, still is today, so he's got a great heart for missions, and you're going to love, if you haven't had a chance to, many of you know him, if you have a chance to meet him, you're going to love Brother Moore this morning. Would you make him welcome to Generations Church, our district superintendent, Brother Tommy Moore. Thank you so much, Pastor. God bless you, man. Thank you for that. Amen. Well, good morning, Generations. Good morning, Tallahassee. Wow, you're looking good this morning. You got that extra hour sleep, and I can tell it. You look like you did. You, you look more rested and refreshed. And, you know, how many of you still woke up at the same time you normally would? It just the clock didn't. I know. I get that, too. See, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I got the extra hour sleep, but I was booked to preach in Eastern time this morning, and I live in Central. So I lost it even though I got it. So I really don't know what time it is. I can't remember which watch, which clock I set to what, and what I was calculating to get to Eastern time. So we'll get out of here by 3 this afternoon anyway, I'm sure. No, I'm kidding. I'm acutely aware of what. I love it. Big clock in the back on Eastern time, already corrected for the non-daylight saving. They're making sure I know what time it is up here this morning, and we're good. Thank you, Pastor Brian, Pastor Becky. We love you guys. You guys are so awesome. We appreciate you. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity. Don't you love your pastors? Such great leaders. Give them a good hand. I know last month was pastor appreciation, but we can do that all the time. Amen. We have enjoyed getting to know them since they've become a part of our district family, and uh, we're so thrilled with what God is doing through them here at Generations Church in Tallahassee. And uh, the fields are white to harvest, my friend, and uh, this is one of the greatest days to be alive in the kingdom of God. Just to see what God is doing, it's exciting, and it's a great time in our district. Uh, Just won't spend a whole lot of time on that this morning, but God is doing some great things. We're in a real season of transition. We have been since uh, a year and a half. 
a few months ago, we sold our district campground, which had been somewhat the anchor piece for our district as it was more an event-driven district, and that's kind of what our identity was, was in a lot of events. And we've been in a total restructure mode of kind of recreating ourselves to be more of a relationship building and resourcing and equipping ministry to our local church and our districts. There's no success for the West Florida district at any level other than in the personal lives of our ministers and in the local churches that cover the Panhandle area. So that's where we target. We want to see you succeed at what you're doing, what God's called you to do. We want our ministers to be healthy, and we just believe that God has some great things in store for us as we do that. Amen? And uh, so these are exciting days, and we are thrilled to be with you today. Uh, Reese regrets that she can't be with me today, uh, but many of you know if you're on Facebook, if you're not, get on Facebook. The reason you need to get on Facebook is so you can see my new grandson, Xander's pictures. Amen? Nothing else on Facebook worth looking at, but Xander is worth the trip, let me tell you. So Mr. Xander decided to arrive a couple of weeks early into our life, and uh, so he is now a week and a half old and commanding everyone's attention fully. And uh, so she is with Clarissa today, staying with her. So uh, our daughter Clarissa is the worship pastor at uh, Life Point Church in Crestview. And since the baby came a couple of weeks early, the uh, plan <laughs> for them to work without her was not quite fully in place. So her husband is a gym, and he is covering for her at church. So Reese is taking care of mom and baby uh, at home today. So she sends her love and hopes to come next time uh, when we're able to be with you again. So may God bless you. Missions, my favorite subject. Uh, other than just the grace and mercy of God and the joy that it is just to know him and that relationship with him, I'd rather talk about missions than anything that I can think of this morning. I want to share with you this morning probably a little bit harder message than you might normally expect for the opening of a missions convention uh, week uh, month here in your church and thank the Lord for setting aside a month to focus on it pastor I appreciate that so much um, this might even seem just a little bit in your face this morning okay <laughs> kind of scare you to start with kind of get you prepped for that uh, but I want us to talk about it this morning on a very real and practical level this morning, I'd like to talk to you about four questions that must be asked when we consider missions. Four questions that must be asked when we consider this subject of missions. What is this really all about and what's the basis for it? And I believe if we'll consider these four questions, we will see a very successful month of missions focus here at Generations Church and we'll see the kingdom of God advanced in ways that only we could dream or imagine of today, not only this month, but in many months to come if Jesus tarries his coming. We have a huge job to do in winning the world to Jesus, and we have a short time to do it because as already been alluded to, we believe that Jesus is coming back, and we want to see the work done before he returns. Amen? So the book of Acts chapter 1 is uh, the basis for what I want to share with you this morning because this is the, this is the preamble to the New Testament church. This is what Jesus said about this group of 120 that was going to be assembled in the upper room. What remained of all of those that had followed him and all that had benefited from the miracles and everything else. But it all came down to 120 people that ended up in the upper room. But in Acts 1 and 8, this is the promise that he gave to them. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
and you shall, that sounds like a pretty strong word, doesn't it? That's really not an option word, is it? Shall is not an option word. <laughs> Parents, you know what I'm talking about with children? <laughs> there's some well maybes, but there's some shalls. <laughs> and this is from Jesus to the church, and it's not an option word. It's a shall. It means what it says. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, which was their hometown, that's the Thanksgiving supper. That's the, the helping the ministries to the homeless in your city. That's the engaging in outreach to reach the children of this town and the youth and the students that are here at FSU. And, and That's Jerusalem. And in Judea, that's the surrounding area. That would be considered our nation, America for us today. And Samaria, oh, Samaria. Anybody know enough about the Bible this morning? Then you know Samaria was the unwanted people. They weren't wanted by the Jews. They weren't wanted by the Gentiles. They were the ones everybody wanted to isolate and do away with. And Jesus says, even, you're going to even be a witness to Samaritan people. People that nobody else cares about and nobody else wants to take the time to minister to. And then he opened it wide open and said, unto the uttermost part of the earth. Wow. What a mandate to witness the glory and majesty of the Lord, His grace, His mercy, and the great work that He's done in our life, to then bear witness of that and all over Tallahassee, all over America, to all of the hurting and unwanted people groups in our community and in our society today, and then just blow the doors off of it and say to the ends of the earth, everywhere, Take this witness of this gospel message everywhere that you can take it. The Assemblies of God is about, it's over 100 years old now. It was formed in 1914 with about 300 people in Hot Springs, Arkansas. They made the statement that their desire was to do the greatest evangelistic and missions effort that had ever been accomplished on the face of this earth. 300 people full of the spirit that the Lord had promised through the empowerment of his Holy Spirit, they had this audacious dream that they would reach, just like the scripture said, and witness all the way through this nation and to the ends of the earth. Wow, that's a big dream, isn't it, for 300 people. As far as I know, none of them were extremely educated people. They were not necessarily ignorant, but they weren't, you know, they weren't the scholars of the day. They weren't multimillionaires. They weren't entrepreneurial business people. They were just people that loved God. And they believed that they could reach the whole world with the gospel. Today, just over 100 years, there are 70 million Assemblies of God people. I've watched that in the last eight years in this office. I've watched it go from 66 million to 67 million to 68 million to 69 million. And every time I talk about the Worldwide Assemblies of God, it seems like I have to change the number. Hallelujah. There's 70 million people on this planet today associated with the General Council of the Assemblies of God in America and all of our sister agencies around the world today because of missions and taking the gospel to places it had never been before. I don't know about you, but I enjoy being a, a, a part of something that's bigger than me. Amen? And when you're a part of an Assemblies of God church that's engaged in Assemblies of God missions, you're participating in this 
whole world getting the gospel thing at a phenomenal rate. And you can do that from right here in your church through faith promise giving and prayer and support and all that you do for missionaries. That's how you do that. And you see, I believe that it is the secret to a healthy church because I think that outward focus is absolutely paramount if a church is going to survive. I've always believed that, but the last eight years I've gotten a chance, and Pastor Brian worked in the district office, so he knows what I'm talking about. I've gotten a chance to see church kind of from the inside out in a way I hadn't really seen it before. I was youth pastor at three churches before becoming senior pastor at the age of 23. A lot of wisdom when you got a 23-year-old pastor, I'll tell you. You get a lot of wisdom from the pulpit. Reese and I were 23 years old when we took the church. Had no idea that we would stay there almost 24 years and surely had no idea we'd leave there and, and go to the district office as superintendent. But it was a phenomenal journey and a great ride. And the Lord helped us in a lot of things. But one thing that I have seen and learned in the last eight years, because I went to Carmel almost every Sunday for 24 years. <laughs> That's about all I knew. Every once in a while we ventured out. But most of the time we were there for 24 years. Now I'm in a church or two or three churches some Sundays and different churches across this fellowship. And it's a wonderful opportunity. But one of the things that I have learned is the healthy churches in our network are churches that are missionally focused. The unhealthy churches in our network are churches that are inward focused. That are more concerned about where we spent the money and who got this and who, who did this and which kind of music we sung or what, how they arranged the chairs or what we set in it. All that inside stuff. Churches that focus on that die. They're just like hurricanes. Hurricanes become strong and powerful storms because they have outflow. If wind shear comes across the top of a hurricane and blows the outflow boundaries down and the cloud tops down, turns all that energy back inside, that's why wind shear destroys hurricanes. It covers the top of them, it blows the outflow boundaries down, all the energy turns back inside and it destroys itself. But if it can just breathe and can have outflow, that thing will tighten up in the center, oh yes it will, and it'll get broader and it'll get more powerful just like a church. If a church will just stay outward focused, keep the outflow out into this community, keep it to the uttermost parts of the earth, keep the focus on the lost, keep the focus on the hurting, that church will be a healthy church. But there are no healthy churches that I know of that are not missionally focused churches. There have to be outwardly mission focused for there to be help. If there's health professionals in this room, they'll tell you that output is a vital part of health. A human body, if it stops having output, it will die within 72 hours under normal conditions unless there's some type of intervention like dialysis or something. You just can't live without output. You can't live, a church can't live without an outflow. Missions is our opportunity to exhaust this great energy out of us and not just keep it all inside. I've often said the church is the, most, is the best kept secret in the world. We come in, we got the secret handshake. <laughs> We know, the, we know the code word, glory to God, bless your brother to get in the door. And we come in here and we keep, we enjoy this beautiful atmosphere, this wonderful experience, and a world dies and goes to hell around us. Ought not be. We're here for them. A couple of things that I like to say is this. I like to say that church ought to be more about people who aren't here than who are here. That upsets some of us that are here because <laughs> we really want it to be about us. Amen? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I would capitalize on something that hit me sitting there a while ago, uh, talking about the announcements, and, and it was so true as the youth pastor was sharing Halloween to Christmas, and we just kind of skipped Thanksgiving. I thought about that. You know why? Because both of those others are about us getting something. Candy, 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 presents, 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 Thanksgiving, giving thanks back to God. No, let's skip that. Let's go to the gets. <clears throat> I told you it's going to be a little bit tough, but that was kind of free. That's not in the notes. I just, that one hit me a while ago. <laughs> Blame that one on the youth pastor, amen. I'll find somebody to blame all this on before I'm finished. Don't worry. But, but I, just, I, I just, I believe that. I think that it's so important that we learn the importance of giving and sharing what God has done in our life. Another thing that I like to say is this, and then I'm going to get into my four questions. But I believe when a church gets missions right, everything else gets right. Now, I only believe that because of my experience. When we went to Carmel to pastor that church, it was a church of about 70 people. We were 14 miles from the nearest grocery store in northern Holmes County, Florida, which is one of the three poorest counties in the state of Florida. Holmes County has been known, has, has always been a leader in our state. Uh, they were the number one moonshine producing uh, county in this state for many years per capita of its residents. Well, Prohibition kind of worked on that a little bit. And uh, so then they became the number one per capita marijuana producing county in the state of Florida for several years. We carried that. Well, that kind of got a little bit old too. And then it became the number one methamphetamine producing county per capita in the state of Florida for many years. It was a tough place. A lot of hurting people, a lot of poor people. And we went there. And God gave us an awesome journey. When we left the church, we were running about 550 people in two Sunday morning services, 14 miles from the nearest grocery store in the middle of the woods. What transformed that church? One word, missions. When that church got outward focused and, and we got missions right, when we got missions right, everything else in that church started getting right. I mean, it, was, it just came together like a puzzle. Like you've never seen. We built buildings and had money to pay for anything and everything we wanted to do out of a congregation with no millionaires and no one person writing the check. And just miraculously, God sent in everything that we needed once we got missions right. Now, I'm not talking about a magic solution here or a rabbit's foot or something like that. I'm talking about God's formula for life. And missions is a huge part of that because it's the heartbeat of God. If you can ever get the heartbeat of God, you've got him. Amen. <laughs> And when you get missions, you get the heartbeat of God. And you get everything that he said. These trips that Pastor alluded to a while ago, they're in your bulletin and he talked about them. Missions trips literally were the key component that changed the, the culture and the dynamics of our church. I can't encourage you enough, take a missions trip. Uh, I don't know what all the costs were. I saw a couple of them. He said, I don't have $1,500. I don't have $1,700. Of course you don't. It's called faith. You start... And, and you'll just be surprised. Start sharing with people. You know, I feel like God wants me to do this. And, and, and all of a sudden, somebody's going to hand you $100. And somebody's going to hand you $200. And somebody's going to give you $50. And somebody's going to say, I'm going to pray for you while you... And all of a sudden, all the support you need to make that trip, it's going to come together. And that's going to be a faith builder in your life. Because you're not doing that for yourself. You're doing it for God. And God's going to get behind you in that vision. Amen? And I just encourage you, you know, if you're physically able and you meet the criteria and all of that, I'm going to get up all in your stuff. But I just want to say, if you fit that mold and you can do it, then you need to make one of these trips. Uh, 
we were in Cuba last year. Phenomenal need there. A very moving, moving trip there. Uh, Peru is a phenomenal place to go on a mission trip. And then the Smoky Mountain Dream Center in Tennessee. I can't tell you how much of a heart we have for the Smoky Mountain Dream Center. I was on the property two weeks ago. God has just given them 99 awesome acres. <laughs> it is nothing short of a miracle from God, the, the way that God provided for them, and they were able to pay for that property in full. We'd already raised enough money. And the vision that Keith and Alicia Hall and Emily Hauser have for that place will absolutely blow your mind. And if you can make that trip, Smoky Mountain Dream Center, where they're going to minister to particularly women and children that are impacted by the drug and poverty issues in the Appalachian Mountain area, which it's huge. It is absolutely huge. But the vision they have is bigger than the need. Amen. God's going to meet it in Jesus' name. And you could be a part of all of that. So I encourage you to all of that because missions is the heartbeat of God. But let's talk real quickly about these four questions that we have to consider if we're going to really talk about Why would we even be doing this? Why would we take a month of Sundays to talk about missions? Why, why would we ask you for more money for missions? And you know, I've never asked for money for anything. I sure never asked for myself. Now, we, we did building fund stuff like that. But let me tell you something. I am uninhibited when it comes to asking for missions money. I mean, I know no bounds. <laughs> I, I, am a wild, I am a wild machine when it comes to getting people to give to missions because I know, first of all, it's going to impact the kingdom of God and somebody's going to go to heaven instead of hell, and that's the big point. Amen? But it's also going to change your life when you start seeing outside of your own world. Amen? So let's look at them real quick. The first question that we have to consider this morning if we're going to talk about missions is this. Is Jesus who he said he was? Is Jesus who he said he was? Okay. He's having a discussion with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. They're on the north side of the Sea of Galilee there, uh, just outside of Caesarea Philippi. They're sitting just south of the, the, the uh, Grotto of Pan where the springs of Dan make out and, uh, the, of the mountain and come down and form the River of Jordan, uh, the River Jordan, and then uh, Jordan River, there we go. And uh, they're sitting there and people are offering all these sacrifices to this false gods uh, and, and to Pan and other Greek uh, mythology. And, you know, if you've studied all of that, you know that. They're offering all these sacrifices, these pigs and everything are being offered up there. And Jesus and his disciples can see the the smoke rising up there and they can hear all of that they're within earshot of it they're on that pathway that comes up from Gadara over there just outside of Caesarea Philippi and they're having this discussion and, and in the middle of all these people toting all these idols and doing all this sacrifice to all these false gods Jesus asked his disciples who do these people say I am and they begin to tell him what they'd heard well some say you're this one and some say you're John the Baptist some say you're Elijah some say you're you're Jeremiah or maybe you're one of the prophets but then he looked at them and he said but who do you say that I am see it always comes back down to a personal experience with Jesus who do you say that I am and Simon Peter spoke up boy that was always scary <laughs> you never knew what that guy was gonna say he might cut somebody's ear off, you know, have a cussing fit, deny ever knew Jesus. He, he kind of had an issue, but this day he got it right. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and said, yeah, I'll tell you who you are now. I don't call you Simon anymore. We're going to call you Peter. And then he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Now, he never meant he was going to build the church on Peter. 
Amen. He knew better than that. He knew Peter wouldn't, wouldn't stand when the little washwoman asked him if he knew Jesus. He wasn't going to stake his whole church. He was staking his church on what Peter had just said, that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. I would believe that if I surveyed this congregation this morning, of all the people in this room, I would get a very high percentage of people in this room who would answer this question in the affirmative. Do we really believe that Jesus is who he said he was? And who he said he is. Do you really believe that today? First thing you got to decide about missions before you decide if you're going to go on a trip, before you decide what you're going to do in a faith promise, before you decide if you like it or don't like it, you got to ask yourself that question. Is Jesus really who he said he is? Is he really the Son of God? Is he Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end? Is he, Jeho is he uh, Jehovah Jireh? Is he our provider? Is, is, is he who he said he is? Is he the healer that he said he is? Is he the Savior that he said he is? Is he the Messiah that he said he was? Is he the one? Is he the one or should we look for another? Many asked that about him. But he confirmed all the way through his life that he was, through his death that he was, through his resurrection that he was, and through his reigning at the right hand of the Father today, he continues to, to confirm that he is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen? Amen. Go ahead. That's in order. Is he really who he said he is? Is he really who he said he is? Well, if we confirm that and we confirm it in the affirmative and we believe it, then the next question that we have to ask ourselves is a little bit harder one. And that question is this. Do people really go to hell when they die if they do not believe in him? Do people really go to hell when they die? Is there a real hell? Is there really a place where people's soul will go for eternity if they don't believe on Jesus Christ as their Savior? Well, now, we just established that we believed who he is. Then we, if we believe who he is, then we must believe what he said. Mark 16, 15, 16, he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He's talking about missions to every creature. There's some creatures out there, but they need the word. Amen. You know some. I know they live two houses down, but they need Jesus. Amen. Look at what he said in verse 16. This is what the one we just agreed that he was who he said he was. He said this, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not will get a pass. No. See, I didn't write this. I didn't write this. Pastor Brian didn't write this. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at Pastor Brian. Don't get mad at the church. Jesus said, if they don't believe, then they'll be damned. What does he mean? Eternally lost. Eternally lost. Do we really still believe that? We don't hear a lot about it in church anymore because it seems to be a negative message. It really ought to be the message that makes us shout the most and have the greatest joy is that thank God we're not condemned to hell anymore because Jesus loved us enough to turn that around. Amen? It's really not a negative message, but it is a hard message, and it's one for us to really process through. But there's no reason to do missions if this isn't true. I mean, what are we going to help them with? I mean, you know, I mean, why are we going? Why are we going to do all of that if this really isn't true? Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. Neither is there salvation in any other name. Why don't we just, you know, let people believe what they want to believe and think what they want to think and maybe we all end up in the same place. Not according to the book. 
Neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. So people must believe on Jesus Christ. I know that's tough in the culture that we live in today. I understand that fully. I know it's not PC. I understand that. I know it's not. But it's Bible. I don't have the choice today if I want to be a true proclaimer of truth. I don't have the choice to just say what I think people want to hear. Or what political correctness mandates. The Bible says that. That doesn't mean I hate anyone else that doesn't believe what I believe. That doesn't mean that I display wrong attitudes toward them. No, I have a heart of compassion for them. And I want them to come to know Jesus like I know Jesus. Amen? So, do we really believe who Jesus is? You know, in Revelation chapter 20, the scripture says that John's writing, he said he saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it from whom's face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. He said, I saw the dead, small and great stand before God. And the books were opened, and then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of everything that was written in that book of life. Now, this is the unrighteous dead. The sea gave up its dead, and all that were in it, and death and hell delivered up their dead, which was in them. And and they were all judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And then verse 15 said, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was also cast into the lake of fire. It's in the Bible. It's still in the Bible. Some of us have been in church for years know it's in the Bible because that's all they used to preach about. <laughs> I got saved every service. I needed to get saved every service. I was just that mean. They, I, we knew, we knew there was going to be a day, glory to God, where they're going to throw you into hell and you could never come out. Ah! Jesus is coming and nobody's going. That's the way they used to preach it. I mean, it was so hard. I'm not for necessarily swinging the pendulum too far the other way but for us as believers today we have to establish this in our heart it's a mandate to establish this if we're going to do missions why are we doing missions first of all because Jesus is who he says he is second of all according to the scriptures people who die that have not believed on him as their savior end up in an eternal place called hell of punishment eternal place of punishment called hell wow I told you, I warned you about this. I gave you the the warning before I started. It's kind of in your face, a little bit tough. But you're going to have a whole month to digest. I want you to filter what you do in the next month in this church through what we're talking about right here. Why are we doing this? Why would pastor want me to give a little extra money when I'm already trying to figure it all out? Why why are they? Why? Because Jesus is who he says he is. And people that die that haven't believed on him go to a literal hell for all of eternity. When we establish those things in our heart, it changes our focus on missions. The third thing then, the third question that we have to ask, let's get off of that one as quick as we can. What can be done about their destiny? If that's the case, that if people actually don't go to heaven, and you know, I wish that everybody that died went to heaven, it'd sure make a lot of funerals I've had to preach a lot easier. A teenager in our church one time went to a conference and he brought me back a t-shirt. He said, Pastor, I bought you something because I've thought about you a few times. I thought, a teenager thought about this? It was a bright orange t-shirt. I still have it. And it said, live your life so the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. <laughs> I, thought, I wonder if he thinks that's what we do, you know. Like, well, the preacher shouldn't lie. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> Unkegs a whole moral issue there. What you gonna say? What you gonna do? But leave something good to say anyway. Amen. Most of all, leave a clear testimony. That's the best thing you can do. 
But I wish everybody that died went to heaven, but they don't. So what can we do about that? What can we do about the lost people in Tallahassee that as good as they may be and they're good neighbors and they watch your, you know, they, they, watch, they get your mail when you're gone and save it till you come home and all that stuff, but they don't know Jesus as our Savior. And all those good works isn't going to put them in heaven. What can we do about this whole thing? There's lost people in Africa never heard of Jesus. Lost people in Peru that's going to need the gospel that you're going to help you. People in Cuba that have been bound in that, that situation that they're in there and, and the gospel has not been free to be given to them and they don't know. And, and now there's a great revival and how can we fuel that? How can, what can we do about these people's destiny? What can be done about people that are caught into the web of all of the things that the enemy is using in our culture today to drag people down? What can we do about that? Well... Thanks for asking. <laughs> it's a good question. And it's one that must be asked when you consider missions. And it's so simple. You know the scripture. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Amen. But have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, people get all upset with God when you start talking about that question we were talking about previously. But that wasn't God's original plan. He sent his very Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die so people wouldn't have to go to hell. That's God's plan, that they might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, God and Jesus did the hard work. All we got to do is believe today. Amen? Don't try to fix your life and then bring it to Jesus. Bring him the whole mess. He died for all your mess. Amen? He died for all the mess of everybody in this city, for everybody in the world. They don't have to fix it. All they got to do is bring it to Jesus and believe that he's the one who can fix it and he will transform their life for now and for all of eternity. Amen? Hallelujah! No wonder we call it the gospel. No wonder that means good news. Amen? It is good news. Good news. Nobody on this planet has to die and go to hell today. Nobody has to if they'll just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of their life. What can we do? What can we do about this destiny that's on the lives of people? What can we do? about this thing that is hanging over the head that makes it makes you just fearful and wonder, you know, what are how can we change that? Pastor Billy Graham, I think arguably would be the most influential evangelist in America and possibly in Christian history. He said this, when Christians die, they go straight into the presence of Christ to heaven to spend eternity with God. But an unsaved sinner's destiny is separation from God, a place that Jesus has called hell. Billy Graham acknowledged that. And then he asked the question of a Someone who was interviewing him one day, he asked it of the journalist. He said, I wonder where you are going. <laughs> Can you imagine Billy Graham asking you that question? And then he followed it with this. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you been transformed by the power of his spirit? In the middle of an interview with a journalist, he asked that question. Where are you going? Heaven or hell? 
And he followed it up by saying, the way we can know that is what have you done with Jesus? So the good news today is that there is something that can be done about the destiny of lost humanity across this world. Tallahassee can be transformed. Amen? One of the great revivals in Cuba is in one of a big hot pocket of that is in an area where things were so destitute and difficult and the church began to emerge there and it has literally changed the whole community. Everything there has changed. The lives of people, the, the, I mean, the gospel makes a difference, amen? The gospel makes a difference. And Jesus changes lives today. And we have to believe there is something that can be done about their, their destiny. We have to believe that with all of our heart. Jesus is not just the preferred way. He's not just the best way. He is the only way. Amen? And it's for everyone. Romans 10 and 12, 13 says this, For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto him that calls on him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow. So, the next question that arises, now that we're all awake, is Jesus who he said he is? Do people really die and go to hell that don't believe in him? If so, then what can be done about their destiny? It's kind of a general question, but then let's bring it down just a little bit closer this morning. What can we do personally? What can you do? What can I do about their destiny? If the general answer is Jesus can save them, what does that mean to us personally? Because how then, according to Romans... Can they call upon him in whom they have not heard and not believe? How then shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That doesn't necessarily mean a card-carrying credentialed minister. It means a proclaimer of this good news. How are they going to believe unless they've heard about Jesus so they can believe him? And how will they do that unless somebody goes and tells them that? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Pastor already said that's the heart of missions in our fellowship is that the church is the sending agency. And how are they going to do that? As it is written, oh, hallelujah, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How beautiful for this church to go or for this church to send someone with a gospel message that can change the world. How beautiful for you to serve at an outreach in Tallahassee for this church and give a smile and say Jesus loves you to somebody that's hurting with no direction right here in this community. How beautiful for the Smoky Mountain Dream Center to bring a word of hope and encouragement to an area of our country that is literally forgotten, that you wouldn't even believe. It's a third world country within our country right there. And they're taking a message of good news. How beautiful for Teen Challenge to say to hurting men and women across this nation, I know your life has been wrecked and ravaged, but Jesus will change your life. He can make a difference. How beautiful. There's something for everyone one to do. There's something for everyone to do. There's a place for everyone in this equation. There's something that God wants you to do. And I know a lot of times we say, but wait a minute. You know, I, I, I can't do this and I can't do that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about what you can't do. Figure out what you can do. Amen? Sometimes we say, well, that's not my problem. That's theirs. But you know what? God makes their problem our problem. Because he tells us we're responsible for this. 
I believe in this house this morning as I close, I believe that there's something that everyone here can do. You may have to search to find it, and you may have to figure it all out. But this morning, I believe if we have a true understanding that Jesus is who he says he is, people die and go to hell when they don't believe on him. Jesus is the answer for that. They have to hear the good news gospel. We commit ourselves to do whatever is necessary. I believe that God will show us what we can do. I'd like to take you to Mozambique this morning. Not literally. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, i got a lunch appointment. Okay, hang on. We're going to get you to that. I'd like to take you to Mozambique this morning and introduce you to Esther. In a small village in the southeast African country of Mozambique lives a woman with great determination. Born unable to walk, she drags herself on her hands and knees when she needs to travel. And travel she does. Known as Esther, she reaches out to neighboring villages, sometimes dragging herself for as many as four hours in order to tell others about the love of Jesus. Many people around here still follow witchcraft. They worship their deceased relatives. They're lost and need to know that Jesus is the only hope for their lives. Because of her disability, Esther endures excruciating pain and even encounters deadly snakes along the path to reach the lost in her region. But that doesn't stop her from doing what God has called her to do. As I get older, I get tired easier. But people need to know that the source of peace in their lives can only come from Jesus. Through the years, many people have come to know Christ as a result of the churches Esther has planted. Recently, one of those churches bought a new wheelchair for Esther to use in order to continue her work. I am so grateful for the wheelchair that has allowed me to travel longer distances so that people can hear about Christ. He is my source of peace, and I want others to know that they can have the same peace that I have found. A living example that God can use a willing heart, Esther vows to continue to share the gospel in Mozambique as long as she is able. I shouldn't be able to do what I am doing. It isn't because of my own efforts that I can do this. It is only because of God that I am here, and I thank God that He is using me. Wow. Everyone can do something. Today, Pastor's coming back to wrap up the service this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're in the right place today. And you'll have an opportunity today to invite him into your heart, make him the Lord of your life. All you have to do is believe. Repent of your sins. Believe on Jesus. He'll change you forever. As you consider your faith promise this morning, if you don't know where to start, I ask pastor's permission to just share this one little point with you. Maybe you say, well, I pay 10% in tithe. I hope you do. That's, I think, a biblical process as well. Why don't you consider the 11th percent then for a faith promise? So what does that look like?
pay $100 in tithe a month, make a $10 faith promise. We probably might pay a little bit more than that. So pay a $1,000 a month in tithe, then make a $100 faith promise. Kind of a tithe of your tithe. It's just a good entry-level point to start with. People are like, what, what can I do? Well, just think about 1% of your income designated to help this church fulfill the Great Commission. If Esther can do what she does, I think I can figure out a way to cut out a few Starbucks and sacrifice a few things. And for some, it wouldn't even be a sacrifice to at least give 1% on top of my 10% tithe. It's a minimal starting point. If Esther can do what she does, I can probably show up for the outreach. You know, I, I may can serve, Pastor, after all, on that Thanksgiving thing. We, we might can get a food box now that I think about it, if Esther can do what Esther does. So I just challenge you with that this morning. I would suggest to you that Esther believed that Jesus is who he said he is. I'd suggest to you that Esther believes the people in her country are not going to go to heaven until they believe on Jesus Christ. And I suggest to you that she decided that Jesus was the answer and the way to change that and that she could do something about it. I trust this morning that in this month of missions, you'll make that same resolve and you will commit yourself through your faith promise form this morning, through going on a trip, through praying for missions, through praying for our missionaries who are under great attack around the world today. Culture and societies mandate that their job gets harder and harder and harder. But I pray today that you'll embrace missions with those four questions in your mind and that God will do great things in your life and in this church. Pastor, Father, I love you today, and I thank you for the opportunity to have been with this great church today. I pray blessings over the coming days and weeks. Lord, as Joey comes next Sunday, what a powerful opportunity to hear this man of God. I pray that this place will be filled to capacity, that the lost will be here, and people will get saved, and this church will be challenged like never before, and Teen Challenge coming, and all of the things that lie ahead. Let it be a great and productive missions convention for the kingdom. And may the kingdom of heaven be advanced. May darkness be pushed back and lives changed for all of eternity. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Moore. Hey, if you're a visitor here, if you're new, this is not for you. We wouldn't ask you to do uh, be part of that. This is for our, our regulars. If you're a regular, I'm coming after you. I just want you to know. Okay? I want our ushers to come. Hey, if you've got your bulletins this morning, on the back of the bulletin is our list of missionaries that we support. And uh, just so that you can look, you can see it's all across. It starts in Tallahassee. We make a good-sized investment in Tallahassee in our own community and then work our way across the state and around the world. In some of those places, part of that list, it says sensitive areas. We have people who are serving in places we can't publish their name. We can't tell you where they're at. They're in danger this morning. So we do this once a month anyway. So our ushers are coming, and we're going to take our monthly missions offering, faith promise offering, 100% of this goes to, goes to the missions fund, support our missionaries and all of that. But also, if you know in your heart, like you got that faith promise, maybe God's already spoken to you, about what he would have you to do this upcoming year in 2020 for missions. If you want to grab that card and just check monthly and the amount, you just put your name. We've got all the other stuff that's in there. That will help us. Now, if you want to take another week, talk, pray over it, 
we're going to do this over several weeks. So I want you to I want you to think about it, pray over it. But I'll just ask you know you to be as generous as you can uh, to missions. How do missionaries get around the world? How do they get to their place? It's the local church that sends them out. This is our partnership. So we we pray for them. We did this last Wednesday night. We we send them through missionary offerings and then like through trips we go as much as we as much as we can. So we're going to pray over this list, not everyone. We're going to pray over our missions and missionaries. Our ushers are going to wait upon you this morning. And uh, if you want it for our missions offering, faith promise offering for November. And then if you have your faith promise card, you want to turn it in, you want to think about it, that's, that's up to you. But we're going to do this over the next several weeks. I want this to be the greatest year that we've ever had when it comes to missions giving. I want it to be the, the biggest... I prayed over that this morning. I, the closer we get to the return of Jesus, I want to be given more and more, putting more missionaries on the field. We have several that want to be added to our list. Charles Hasselbring being one of them. Uh, Joel Temple that was here a few weeks ago to France. And some of that depends on if we see an increase, we want to be able to add. So I want to thank you. You're a great missions church. Just want to say thank you. We're going to pray and maybe you look over that list as we pray, and then our ushers are going to they're going to wait upon you this morning. We're going to sing "Living Hope" uh, while they're waiting on you this morning, and then we'll we'll dismiss. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord. It is not a burden to be a part of the Great Commission. How will they hear unless there's a preacher? How will they hear unless they're sent? So, Lord, we're part of that sending agency this morning. I pray over that prayer list this morning. I thank you for every one of our missions and missionaries that serve here in Tallahassee and Leon County, Lord. We pray over them, those that serve in our state and across our nation, Lord. Jody Dias, Free International, Lord, we pray over them. I thank you for every one that serve around the world. Some of them we know their names and their locations, some of them are serving in silence this morning because of that situation. Lord, we pray over them today. We pray for a, an anointing upon their life. We pray, God, that you would use them. Keep your hand upon their family. Lord, we pray as a church over our missions and missionaries. Keith and Alicia, today, we ask you to keep your hand upon them. Provide resource today, Lord. We pray over our missions and missionaries. But Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of those that call Generations Church home. Lord, we pray as we get a great vision of God's grace, we will match that with great generosity. And Lord, we, we take this offering for your glory and bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.